it's good that people like that don't have to always be treated like a second-class citizen is what it comes down to. Mm -hmm. I mean, the company's gonna do what company's gonna do, but at least you have a project that leaves the door open for that kind of work. And it doesn't feel like that door will be closed. Hey everybody, today I'm excited to welcome James Sundquist on TechDoor Talks, who's a contributor to Nextcloud Pi, which is an open source project that makes it easier to use Nextcloud. For those who aren't aware, Nextcloud is a cloud provider that you host yourself, generally used as kind of an escape from things like the Google and Apple ecosystem. Setting up and maintaining Nextcloud has the reputation of being a bit harder to navigate, and that's exactly what Nextcloud Pi aims to tackle. Don't worry though, because James will cover privacy and security, owning your data and why it matters, and many other important topics that I think people should reflect on in their own digital lives as well as the people around them. Full disclosure, this interview was recorded several months ago in Berlin, and so please keep that context in mind, and I'm slowly knocking out those projects that we're behind on. I'll leave a link to the video of my coverage of the Nextcloud conference in Berlin down below as well as a card right here, which I'd also highly recommend watching. And without further ado, let's hear what James has to say. I'm James, I'm a volunteer with uh, Nextcloud and also with the Nextcloud Pi project, and here from the US. And do you mind explaining Nextcloud Pi for people who don't know what that is? Oh yeah, sure. It's basically an all-in-one kind of image of Nextcloud with same defaults like uh, MySQL and PHP, of course, Apache, and uh, it's designed to basically be a one-click self-hosted deployment uh, with images like ButterFS, snapshots, things like this, and um, something that you can sort of set and forget. And uh, community does tests before encouraging people to apply stable updates. So if you want to just have your system rolling in production and not worry about whether the next stable is tested enough or not, you can just wait and we'll tell you as a user when we recommend applying updates. Otherwise, you can jump ahead of us and then you just, if you want, you can wait and we'll gradually catch up as we continue testing new apps, new releases. Got it. So am I correct? Um, Nextcloud Pi started for Raspberry Pis, but now it's expanded to tons of different hardware devices. Is that accurate? Well, the Raspberry Pi is a popular device, but it's actually the real um, requirement is right now is Debian. And as long as you have um, Debian, you can use a script, if nothing else, to install uh, Nextcloud Pi on top of Debian on any kind of ARM 32, 64, x86 system, whatever you need. Super cool. And so are you formally employed or you say you're a volunteer? Yes. And so you're not paid uh, by Nextcloud? No. And so this is like a real like grassroots open source type of project that you're helping out with then? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I've been involved in like hackerspace scene and uh, I was curious about using Nextcloud for hackerspace. So I started testing it for that reason. Got it. And so do you mind talking about, because we're here in Berlin, and uh, you were a speaker, you're also on the panel. Uh, do you mind quickly just recapping what you talked about and what you wanted to share with people here so that people who aren't at the conference are able to kind of get an inside scoop? Uh, sure, I mean, uh, it's it's been uh, a number of years of kind of doing community management and writing documentation and trying to help improve this project and sort of cohesion between this community project and Nextcloud as an organization, and um, and I think that that's been really fruitful. And so talking about basically ways that people who want to contribute to open source can get more involved, it sounds like your audience is part of this. Basically, if you like open source and you want to learn more about it, you just use it. You know, you use it as much as you can in your life and everything you do, and finding ways that it interests you and is fun and inspires you to want to learn more and contribute. 
Right. It's super cool too, because our audience, um, I'd say the target audience that I have is people who aren't going to be wanting to manually install Nextcloud. It's not that they can't, it's just that it's probably hard. And that's where projects like Nextcloud Pi sound like it's going to be perfect for them, where they can easily set it up themselves and just roll into it right away with a little bit less uh, difficulty and less friction. Um, frankly, I'm in that group as well, a lot of times. Really? Um, like setting it up manually would probably be a lot harder for me versus using something like NextCloud. Well, let me ask you a question. Would yes. you be willing to basically start up a VPS on like DigitalOcean and install yes. NextCloud on it? That's something you'd want to do? Yes. Um, it's actually something I need to do because I promised my community eventually I would do that. Would you set it up on a Dyn DNS service? Would you use it at your own domain? I would use it on my own domain. The nice, one of the nice things about this project is nothing stops you from sort of distributing it out. And you can always have something like um, you could run a, say, you run a server and you run it on the DigitalOcean and you have it at your domain.com. That's fine. Nothing stops you from running, say, an additional instance that you're hosting out of your home through WireGuard or something, and okay. you've never exposed this public internet. And you can have all these things running in together. And people who are only accessing publicly don't know about the WireGuard instance, and that could be fine. Or you could have a WireGuard in addition for people who want to connect that way. There's a lot right. of flexibility. I think for me, if I was to use it privately internally, I would definitely go like the tail scale route personally. Totally. Because, I mean, that's currently what I do with my NAS at home, mm -hmm. is I just connect via tail scale and I could already set that up probably with the Nextcloud instance as well. But the thing is, um, I would like to set it up on a domain because that's something that, here's the context, it's pretty embarrassing. I made this uh, playlist on uh -huh. YouTube. It's called Nextcloud Made Easy. Okay. And the concept was, I'm going to go through the different ways that you can set up Nextcloud to make uh -huh. it as easy as possible for people. Well, after I put out the first video and I put like the time together for the project, I got hit with two other huge projects a week later, oh, okay. which were surprise projects. And so the whole project has just been abandoned since then. And everyone's like, so when are the next videos going to come out? Oh. <laughs> so um, one of those would be like a tail scale setup that I wanted to do. But pretty much the goal on my end would be to explore different avenues of trying to set up Nextcloud and show people the different possibilities you have. Um, because there's like a million different ways that you can use Nextcloud in your life. There's definitely not like one or two ways. It really depends on what you're trying to do. Yeah. At least based on what I've been able to read. Yeah, yeah. Nextcloud Pi is good is good in this use case specifically, and I have done it. So I, I'm you, basically you can set up Nextcloud Pi locally as you would on your network, right? And then all you have to do is add in tail scale access and. Boom, Bob's your uncle. You can connect that way, no problem whatsoever. So fucking cool. And um, yeah, scale makes things so simple. Yeah, and you can also um, plug in. You could also use something like Molvad as well if you wanted. It supports tail scale now, or you could use head scale too. You could replace the tail scale listening server. So there's a lot of good options. Right. I still need to test out the Molvad exit node thing because that's so cool. Um, right now I have IVPN running alongside tail scale, and they somehow work together on my. On, on my laptop, sure. but it doesn't, doesn't work on mobile. Okay. Because you can't really have two VPNs running at the same time, unless you use IKEV2 with like WireGuard on iOS, which sometimes can work for some people, but it's still super messy. So how does Nextcloud, um, because a lot of the people listening, maybe they're new to Nextcloud, they're new to uh, self-hosting, um, how is this relevant to privacy and security for the individual? Well, it's, it's sort of your choice of what what that what feels comfortable to you. Um, I think if someone had never used a tool before, what I would recommend 
personally, I would recommend SyncThing. I would say just set up SyncThing, literally install it on you know your phone and your computer, and they can communicate together right then. There's nothing else to learn. You could set it up literally in 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. So I would do that, and you could always sync it to someone else's machine. Mark it as untrusted, It'll, and you can handle encryption in that way to protect your data from that other machine. And it's like a start. I mean, it's just because you're sort of taking away, you can take away the server component entirely. Um, and then you can go from there. You could always set that up with like WW data, the right permissions, and then Nextcloud would be able to see it as like external storage. And you could still be running sync thing to move like say large files or whatever. You could have whatever setup that is in addition to the Nextcloud and they could work together. Right. Now, uh, more broadly, like someone who's listening, um, they're using Google Drive. Mm -hmm. They're using Apple iCloud, God forbid, without the end-to-end -end encryption mm -hmm. mode now. So pretty much they can see everything you're doing. Why um, would NextCloud be enticing to this from a privacy and security perspective or sync thing or whatever alternative um, data storage or data transfer? It doesn't, it doesn't have to be. It's like you can, it's your, your personal use case will vary. But the, the reality is like if you're using Google Drive to move your files, like um, you don't, basically don't care about the integrity of your data like you don't uh, and so you can use a tool to encrypt like you could use you know GNU PG or you could use Cryptomator on top of Google Drive to encrypt your data um, or something like that but it sounds like in that case the person probably just in the end isn't really interested right and like there's nothing wrong with trying it so if, you know you're welcome to use these tools I would say if you're not sure then just join a hosted instance and for your audience I would recommend looking up Librahosts like uh, disroot.org or weho.st and uh, there's another one called Technics. So I'm not going to spell it. And they provide Nextcloud services, and they're basically um, based out of European countries, and they do a full free software stack um, because it's like community paid through donations, um, and it's a different way to do hosting. But they're like legitimate hosts that are um, really rad, and you can get basically a small free instance. Maybe it's like 100 megs or whatever, or two gigs or three gigs, but it's not about the storage space. It's more about like a way to experiment with Nextcloud, but also you get something like maybe, you know, calendars and notes and like a Kanban board, but maybe that's a good thing to have on a public instance. And then you just run a different instance for moving your larger files or whatever. Right. Yeah. If that makes sense. I would start something like that. What do you see as the future of Nextcloud Pi? Well, the idea with Nextcloud Pi right now is to containerize. So it's been about, um, moving internally to more usage of Docker and making the components in Nextcloud Pi available to other builds of Nextcloud that aren't Nextcloud Pi. Now you have things like AIO and these other Docker builds and there's all these there's all this great tooling that's been developed in Nextcloud Pi which could be potentially available in these other projects. None of this exists yet, but it's an ongoing conversation. You can see it on the Nextcloud Pi GitHub and the issue tracker. Got it. Um, so how involved are you with Nextcloud Pi? Uh, are you one of many people working on it? Are you the core contributor? Uh, for someone who's never or isn't tracking the active development of Nextcloud Pi, how would you best describe the development process? Um, I would describe the the whole development process is is through uh, the Calcoholic on GitHub, and um, Owl also contributes a lot to it. And so, um, yeah, that's that's lead development is definitely through um, Calcoholic. So that is the lead developer, and I've helped with like community management, documentation, things like that. Um, I take no claim of ownership over development whatsoever, but I definitely do my best to help and 
hopefully take some stress off of the developer so they don't have to deal with community stuff. They can stay focused on what they want to do, which is development. Got it. And so what do you do with the community? Um, basically, lately, was there was a lot of documentation written for um, some different architecture changes, a lot of testing, um, especially when we were more focused on Docker builds, and, uh, and then just documentation in, in general and community management and moving us more integrated into the forum itself and um, moving to be recognized as an official project of NextCloud, even though it's community contributed. Mm -hmm. Got it. Um, now pivoting uh, a little bit back to the conference now, uh, what's the val? So for me personally, for example, yeah. like I see a huge amount of value in actually seeing people in real life because uh, it's really easy to get stuck on the internet behind a screen and just talking with people remotely and forgetting that there's other humans um, behind a screen. And it's really great to just be around people who all share a common vision and a common goal. Um, for me, that's really what resonates with me. Um, what has been your experience being here at the conference um, in Berlin and the people that you've talked to and also especially being a speaker? Oh, it's been great. I think the biggest thing that would be great is if people walked around with a t-shirt with like their icon from GitHub or, you know, the form or something like printed on it. With <laughs> their username. I need to see usernames, <laughs> not like real names. Uh, yeah, or like a mask. Or like a QR code so you can scan everyone and be like, oh, that's you. Well, it's they wear like a mask with their face from the picture, you know, that I, right, that's when I recognize. But um, yeah, it's fun to meet the people in real life because to communicate them with them over the years, it's, um, it's, it's, yeah, it's great to meet them in real life. Yeah, super cool. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm deaf. I can't express this enough. Like seeing real people for me is great because I don't normally get out too often um, to meet people who are in the same space as I am. You might be closer to more people who you can. Maybe I'm making an assumption there, but oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Just time flies. Time flies. You know, you communicate with like all these different people and um, some have moved to other projects and there's like new faces and um, then some people didn't make it this year and it's like yeah there's definitely a community there and it's interesting um, it's my second time coming to the conference and it's it's great being back and now also like knowing yeah in real life knowing people is, is really interesting right um now I do want to ask a little bit about your personal privacy and security journey. Okay. Um, because it sounds like you've taken a lot of steps yourself for your mm. own privacy and security. Um, so what would you suggest to someone who's brand... Well, first, what would you say to someone who's never been exposed to privacy before? I'd say your average person you see on the street, um, they are very involved with many privacy invasive services. They're very dependent on big tech companies. Um, what would you say to them if they were to ask you, well, why should I care about privacy? You know, I've honestly, I feel a lot less inspired to want to push that person. Maybe in the past, I was more like gusto about it. But the thing is, is like, it's, it's more about what interests that person. So what I think is if people want to be interested in something like you got to find what interests you. And one of the things that interests me in terms of data, like portability is like, I want to take data with me. And the way I think of it is like, I always want to be able to opt out of things. So like if I use, for example, this software um, from Nextcloud, I want to be able to use it without an account. That's me. It's not even just about security. It's, it's also about accessibility. And, um, and I think 
there's like the wanting to hide things, but there's also just wanting people to be able to access things at all. Like you share something with somebody and you want them to be able to get it. And maybe I don't even want to give them an account or whatever. It's just like, but I want to meet people where they're comfortable, if that makes sense. So I, I think about it. That's more the way that I think about things. And I think you can be interested in privacy and if you want to use whatever other services that are, you know, invasive or whatever, it's just the world we live in. Like people are going to do what they want to do. Right. Right. Yeah. Definitely an interesting perspective. Um, I've personally also found that um, what resonates with different people is going to be different. And so some people you might mention, um, I mean, to someone you might mention, oh, hey, this, this is a very problematic reason. Uh, there's data exploitation, surveillance capitalism, X, Y, Z, and they'll go, okay, whatever. And then they get hit with a targeted advertisement. And then for them, they're like, I don't want this. I don't want targeted advertising. And so that's what clicks with them and resonates with them. So personally, I've found kind of a similar note as what you said is like trying to find what clicks with them. Because um, what clicks with you and what you want isn't what someone else wants. And there's tons of different benefits to privacy. That's not just a, a single universal benefit. Um, now, let's say you just shared what you did and I've never been exposed to this before. Okay. And I go, wow, you're so right. You just moved me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just like I'm totally on board. I like you're my lord and savior. I'd be like, are you CIA? <laughs> <laughs> right, but like no, I'm, I'm fully on board. Like, you're so right. Three things for me to like reclaim some of my privacy and kind of hop on your ship. What would you say? And what would you give to? The... I know it's so unrealistic because this never happens, but we're um, going to assume. <laughs> there's no ship to get on. You got to get your own. Get, just get your own ship, you know, <laughs> like do, I think if you were, if you were like, uh, if in your case, if you thought, wow, like, yeah, I, this ads are annoying. I think that DNS ad blocking through like AdGuard home or pie hole <sighs> is so cool and you can set it up and it just works. And the thing is, is what I noticed is that people don't even notice. It's one of those things that's a seamless experience. Suddenly mm -hmm. the ads aren't there. And, um, it and it's, it's 7 to 15% reduction in net traffic across the board on your entire network. And things are just going into this black hole. So everything's working as it would. It's just now the ads aren't there. And um, yeah, that's probably right there is like the coolest project. Basically, someone could self-host. It's um, great. And you can run those services on almost anything. Right. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about Pi-hole versus, I know you also mentioned AdGuard. Uh, recently, I've been using NextDNS a lot. That's been a real, real big favorite of mine. I assume you like the fact that you can self-host the Pi-hole. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't necessarily prefer Pi-hole. I don't know if they support DNS over HTTPS yet. I don't think so. But maybe they do now. I don't remember. But um, I'm fairly certain I've seen people say that they combine NextDNS with the Pi-hole, but I don't know if that was done directly through mm -hmm. the Pi-hole by adding DNS over or DOH. Probably. Um, so I, I'm not sure. Yeah. I mean, um, I think they're, all the services are good. And this is another thing where it's like, if you're interested, just try it out. Try all these right. different things out. So it's all good. Right. People pick favorites. Like, I pick NextDNS. A lot of people are talking about Control-D. You also hear people talk about AdGuard. And it's like, they all do the same thing. And you might have different, you know, this company's based out of this country, this has this feature. Mm. And that's when it comes down to personal preference. Um, I think that like getting into battles over this is really silly, but like any, if you choose any of them, you're better off using any of them than using none of them, I feel, in most situations. But it works well. So it's a, it's a, those are, it's all great tools. If you find one that you, that you enjoy, then blessings to you, I guess. Right. 
Now, if you were to, I guess to reframe the question a little bit to get oh. away from the, the Lord and Savior captainship okay. <laughs> situation. Um, if there were three things that like you think that ever that should be taken care of globally, like uh, for example, for me, I think everyone should be on end-to-end -end encrypted messengers. Like that's just almost always a no-brainer. Um, there's very few situations where I feel like people shouldn't be communicating with end-to-end -end encryption. Are there three things that you feel like are just uh, instant changes that you would make in most people's workflows? Obviously, there's going to be exceptions in all three of them, but if there were three things that you could do to improve the overall um, situation uh, for everybody in the world, what would they be? I guess interoperability would be a huge one. Big. And um, The stuff in the EU is really exciting about that. Yeah, and specifically data portability. Because you, you would, you would think at a broad swath that someone has data and that is their data and they can take that data where they wish. Um, so to me, that's that's huge. Kind of my earlier thought of just being able to opt out of things because mm. it doesn't really exist in our world, and that's that seems crazy to me. I also think of it as the right to be forgotten. I think people have the right to be forgotten. Right. <laughs> Do you think that GDPR goes far enough? I mean, it's, uh, I am not, I, it's too complicated. <laughs> right. uh, I don't live, I don't live in Europe, you know. Um, what would your, I guess, what would your right to be forgotten look like in the States, for example? You know, I don't feel like it's ever gotten to the point where that's a possibility. So it's more of a, that's something that I see as a goal. Um, not, what would that goal not look a reality. Like, if you were to describe what it would look like. Well, I guess there needs to be some sort of protections for citizens in terms of their privacy kind of touching back to your point you were talking about encryption in messengers um i guess just for there to be protections clarified for people in terms of their data and it's just i don't think the internet it obviously was never designed for this kind of um for this kind of thing like the, what we're talking about it was never designed for that purpose right. you're connecting people together it has nothing to do with protecting them um so it's, it's a lofty goal. Right. Um, it's been kind of cool to see more and more states implement privacy protections. But personally, I feel like a lot of them don't go far enough. And until something federally happens, I'm very skeptical um, that we're going to see that goal anytime soon. Um, California has some protections in place, which is nice. And I have personally utilized them. There's mm -hmm. been some companies that, for example, don't have the option to delete an account. But if you actually reach out to their support team and go, hey, I'm a Californian resident and I would like to implement um, some of my rights in California, then they now have the ability to delete some of your data and or the entire account. Oh. Um, and so in California, I've had a lot of luck implementing some of those extra rights. Um, it'd be cool to see that federally though. Yeah, I don't know. I did, honestly, I don't know how if I believe that it's really like it does unfortunately come back to that idea of like if you don't want something online don't post it really don't put it online right in any capacity uh keep your keep it to yourself uh unfortunately <laughs> right well i'm i'm guessing that's why like nextcloud is such a cool project for you though because you it is yeah I, I don't know, it's more because it's it's more about it being um it's the fully open source aspect is what is of interest to it. It's not that it's a perfect tool, because it's not. And the end-to-end -end encryption, definitely not perfect. No, no, no. no but, but at least it's the effort is there, and it is being applied and worked on and developed over in time. And when things do come up, like 
the talk high performance backend. Well, guess what? It was, you know, the source was opened up and it was released to everyone to use. And that like Nextcloud itself forked from OwnCloud in order to be more open. And these are the kind of steps that are really cool to see. And it's not a common thing. You have open core, you have all these different licenses that are not fully open. So this is a project that is open and you know they used to charge for the phone apps and now they don't and it's like that's that's cool you know and if you want to get the phone app on fdroid or whatever you can or there's all the ways to use it and to be involved and so that's why i like it it's not i'm not saying that it's not that it's the best tool it's just the kind of community that i actually would want to be a part of right that's cool i, I like i like and it's very cool that you resonate with the community like that and it's very wholesome um the myself i've been to a few other conferences now and this is by far the most homey community okay. that i've seen um people just genuinely want to be here because they're strictly passionate about just nextcloud which is a little weird it's like a little cult but it's a very fun cult okay <laughs> and um that's just been my hmm. experience coming here for the first time and seeing what nextcloud conference is like um, now, I would say act like I'm an idiot, but I'm just going to say, no, I am an idiot to this. Explain why end-to-end -end encryption is so hard with Nextcloud. What's the complexity behind it? Ooh, you want me to explain it? Oh, I would ask the um, engineers on that one, but, uh... If you have, you don't have to go super deep into it, if you even have a broad overview. Okay, so to me, the thing, the thing that I am waiting for is just that there has to be a differentiation to me for end-to-end -end encryption not having any dependency on the server. So when you use end-to-end, -end, there is the use of a server app, and that doesn't seem to make sense in the idea of end-to-end, -end, which is client-to-client, end-to-end encrypted. So that means when you do recovery, recovery is happening manually on the device even. It's not going through any sort of authority, including the Nextcloud server. Nextcloud, of course, wants this server to be something you're using between your client devices through your Nextcloud account. So it's a little bit at odds with itself, I think, as is. Got it. Tough situation. There was a bunch of work just being done on it. There's a workshop a few minutes ago related to um, development on end-to-end, -end, and I know it's ongoing. And um, yeah, I feel I don't want to. I don't. I don't mean to disparage it. It's just obviously really difficult to do, and people want to implement end-to-end -end in different ways. Mm -hmm. um, so right. it, it is what it is. Different things aren't gonna aren't gonna work for everyone. You want to make something for everyone. Well, guess what? Here we are, and not everyone's going to want the same thing, obviously, especially when it comes to something like end-to-end. -end. Right. Well, uh, we're coming close to an end here. Is there any final thing that you want to kind of mention? Um, anything that could relate to Nextcloud, privacy, security, anything you want to say, just generally speaking? I just think it's cool that people are, you know, interested in these kinds of things, and um, that's exciting, and it's, it's exciting to be a be connected to these projects in in any way it's really it's really fun and um we all just do what we can you know i i don't honestly claim to be any more of like a security privacy person 
I mean, I don't really, that's not really my role. Um, and I don't pretend that it is. It's, but I just like playing with it. Uh, I think it's, it's fun and it's like a constant learning thing. And it's also just a kind of goal that I want to always be moving towards. I just think it, I think it's interesting in regards to privacy. And also as part of that, I think that directly connects to things being free and open. And I'm talking free, like FSF free. Right. Right. Well, I think that's kind of what's special is I think most people at this conference feel similarly to you in the sense of like, because uh, they're part of this open source movement, they're already thinking about privacy. They're already thinking about security. I feel like personally, um, a lot of those values are already instilled into the community. Uh -huh. And it's very cool to see a lot of these overlaps happen. Um, for myself, because I, you're the first person I talked to who uses the custom ROM. Hmm. Um, and maybe, you know, I didn't talk to everyone and interview every single person here, but that doesn't seem to be a common thing. I'm seeing people here who have Linux devices, they have Windows devices, sure. they use Mac OS. It seems like a very versatile crowd, but I think everyone here is somewhat aware of the privacy invasion that comes along with using services like Google, Apple, and whatnot. So, um, I don't know. I, I, maybe I would argue that there's just an education gap uh, in the mainstream that uh, results in kind of the unawareness that happens regarding a lot of the surveillance capitalism and other issues that come along with it. Yeah, no, I think that's true. I also think that like in a project, like in this project, what what I see is, I don't think it, personally what I don't, I don't see it being like that someone is building based off of like, the any guidelines of like the fsf for example i don't i i just don't see that but um i think that because you have a product that is fully open and um available for anyone to contribute to you do open the doors for the people who do want to do that to be able to contribute as well so obviously some people at the company of course are going to be interested in those things but not everyone right and but this allows them to connect with other people globally who also want to work on these things. That's the power of contribution, mm -hmm. is you can move the ball forward for more, uh, for more privacy and fo focus and security and these kinds of things. Mm -hmm. It's good that people like that don't have to always be treated like a second-class citizen is what it comes down to. Mm -hmm. I mean, the company's gonna do what company's gonna do, but at least you have a project that leaves the door open for that kind of work. And it doesn't feel like that door will be closed. Mm -hmm. Got it. Thank you yeah. for all the insight, yeah. for all the different stuff. I mean, um, I know it was a very all over the place interview. We're both tired at the end of the conference here. So um, thank you so much for the insight. And I know a lot of people will get a lot of value from this. So all right. Super appreciated. Yes. <laughs> I just want to thank James for his time and also his patience as we're trying to finish up these projects and get caught up with things back here. So thank you, James. Thank you, everybody, for listening to this. And again, if you like these kind of interviews, we can't do this without people on Patreon supporting us at patreon.com slash techlore. James is actually active on our forum. So if you want to join our forum and maybe chat with James, he is active in a few threads. I'll leave different links down to James's profiles so you can find 
find him and maybe get in touch with him if you're interested in getting in touch with James. I'll also leave a link down to Nextcloud Pi down in the description, and I'll also leave a link to that Nextcloud conference coverage that I did a few months ago, where I went through exactly what it was like to be at the Nextcloud conference and all the cool things that I experienced and the cool people I met, and uh, why Nextcloud is a very cool project that's very unique. So yeah, again, if you like this content, patreon.com slash techlore, and I'll see you all next time on Techlore. Thank you again, James, and thank you all for listening. Thank you all for staying safer out there and keeping the people around you safe as well. Thank you.